Hi everybody, welcome to a little Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves author roundtable, we'll call it, I guess. Um, it's it's weird, I don't like it when they call Zoom things roundtable still, because it's, <laughs> it's not really what it is, but kind of odd. Anyways, uh, yes, we're going to be talking Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves, specifically the lead-in novels to the film, um, which uh, I've read both, I have both here. Um, I love... Both of these covers actually quite a bit. Uh, so and then of course, no offense, uh, Jalay, but slight edge to Druid's Call. Sorry, I just because only because I mean, my favorite only be, only because my favorite color is green and it's got lots of green. <laughs> I mean, Druids are iconic. So, you know, <laughs> and anytime you get a like tiefling that. on the anytime you get a tiefling on a cover is a good day, right? Exactly. Um, yeah. So. Uh, but I'm very, very, very lucky and fortunate to be joined by, um, there's a there's a graphic novel coming out, but the two novels that are leading into the film, um, The Druid's Call by E.K. Johnston and uh, The Road to Neverwinter by Jalei Johnson uh, are both here. Hello, welcome to the show. I'm going to be a little lazy today and just ask you to introduce yourselves. Uh, so my name is E.K. Johnston. I wrote The Druid's Call for uh, Honor Among Thieves and a bunch of other books. Um this is my first sort of D&D book, so I had a pretty steep learning curve, but I think it went okay. Plus, I got to do the Albert thing, and that was fun. That was worth everything, right? 100%. <laughs> At one point, they sent me a note. They were like, can you, like, work the Owlbear into the book? And I was like, it's already the whole plot, guys. Like, it's already <laughs> the entire <laughs> plot of the book. Don't you worry. I You're got like, you that, Hold on. That was an option, not having the Owlbear in the book? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah. Never, never, yeah, never, yeah. Uh, so I am Julie Johnson, and I wrote the Road to Neverwinter uh, prequel for the movie. And I am a huge geek gamer, D and D fan, so I'm hugely looking forward to this. Um, like I said, I've, I've I'm holding both books in my hand. Druid's Call is uh, out. Never Neverwinter comes out. It is out. It is out now. Okay. Today. Um, is it out in the world? Out of the wild? Um, I read them a while ago, just because I'm lucky. And uh, yeah, I posted something on Twitter about how they're both really fun, really fun. But I think most importantly, um, both of you gave us such an incredible sense of who these folks are that I think it's going to be impossible not to root for them whenever you sit your ass in a seat and watch the film, whether it's at home or in a theater or not like that. And that's, and I think we'll talk a bit about that, but that's, that's gotta be the most important part. I think the most important mandate for you both, I think I would imagine um, other uh, besides telling an entertaining story, of course, but I mean, these are really about character introductions, aren't they in a lot of ways, but we'll talk about that in a second. Um, but anyways, yeah, really enjoy both love the characters, love the found family, the fast and furious thing. <laughs> going on and uh um a couple characters in particular I'll, I'll mention here in a second which i really i got emotional actually uh, a couple of times reading both books um i really appreciated the earnestness and the uh just the the honesty among some of these characters especially the lead characters especially when it comes to uh certain certain character interactions um but first i want to talk a little personal history with D D. um so i'm old D D has been around my entire life this, and I'm not saying this to, you know, to induce sadness or anything, but I didn't really have a lot of friends growing up. And I moved around a lot because my parents just, their work took, my dad traveled a lot. So I moved around. I went to like six different grade schools and never really developed a core base. So I never had enough friends to to, to play D&D. So I ended up just read, but I read all the books, like all, like whatever came out, I read. So my history with D&D is just reading the books. Um no, my introduction to D&D was just like escaping into these worlds and just reading even like like the gameplay, like even just like absorbing all of that, just reading it. Because that, I mean, that's that's all I could do. But that was my introduction to D&D anyways. Um, what about you both? What was, talk about your introductions the first time you'd um, heard or seen or played or read or whatever? Um, well, I was a kid uh, at the very end of Satanic Panic. <laughs> So I was aware of D and D, um, but also not to tell a sob story. I did not have any friends. I'd have the excuse of moving around, so um, I didn't really play it, and I didn't really really understand of it 
how the game worked for a really long time. So even when I was in university and I actually started to make friends with other nerds, some of whom played, I didn't really get it. Like I was like, I just did not understand. And I will be real with you. It was not until Stranger Things that I was like, oh, that's how it works. But I think that's just because it was the first time I saw it rather than hearing about it. Yeah. Um, and then of course, a bunch of my friends got really into like Critical Role and all of the the online ones. Um, and then during the pandemic, a bunch of my friends started playing with each other online from all over the world. Um, and so the main reason I, I don't play myself is that I, I don't have time. <laughs> um, I haven't had a lot of time in the last few years to like write for fun, which is basically what D&D is. Like, I, I think one of the things I didn't understand was how much work goes into playing this game. Um, <laughs> and I, I don't have enough time to like play it for fun. Um, but I love reading about it and I love the mechanics of the storytelling. Like I love how you have these characters and the way that they interact affects things and the dice affects things and like dice coming from different directions affects different. I absolutely love that stuff. Um, and I think it's really cool that it's becoming like more and more available. I live in a town that's really small right now. There are 10 kids in the local library D&D group. So it's... It, like that's like a sizable percent that's like a sizable percentage of the town okay <laughs> and so yeah, like it's it's just really cool and and i like that jalay what's your history with D? oh gosh so uh i have an older brother and there's an 11 year age gap between us i was the late game surprise in my family so and so Back in the 80s, I was uh, five or six years old, I think. And so my brother was like 16. And him and his friends were heavily into D&D at that time. And so I was immersed in it from the time I was very young. And my first introduction to the game was just watching my brother and his friends in our parents' garage sitting around a table essentially to five-year-old me just playing make-believe. And I was like, I specialize in make-believe. I can do this. I can play this game. And I wanted to play this game um, with my brother and his friends. But of course it was like, no, no, you can't. You're too young. Um, so they didn't let me join their gaming group until I was in middle school. But once I did, I basically never looked back from there. It was I was hooked on the game. Um, I was a player from that point. Um, now I'm mostly a DM, um, getting ready to start a campaign with, um, still with my brother and his friends. So nothing much has changed, um, for the longest time, but I also got into reading the books about the time I joined my brother's, um, gaming group because they were reading the Dragonlance Chronicles. They were reading, you know, Forgotten Realms novels. They were reading Spellfire. It was, you know, it, just kind of. I was getting it from all sides and it was one of the things that really pushed me towards writing was the exposure to D&D, the exposure to these immersive fantasy worlds that I could get lost in. And then just moving from that, a natural transition to, I want to design my own worlds. I want to, you know, play in these worlds. I want to DM. I want to, you know, take these characters through a story. It's just, it's been a part of my life for a long time. So I've been very fortunate. That's really cool. And and also something Kate said too about the accessibility now is insane again, thanks to technology and the internet, right? Oh. Like you can you can start campaigns with you don't need to have physical friends anymore. You can have digital friends and 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 play yeah. with people all around the world and you can start and stop those campaigns, uh pick them up later on and um without yeah, worrying absolutely. about the board being disturbed by your siblings while you're over here or something or <laughs> Um, yeah, it's, it's really, it's just so accessible right now. And, and yeah, and also what you just said too, it's really cool. There's a bit of a resurgence because, uh, Dragonlance just started up again too. Right. So, um, it's, it's nice to see that series of books back as well. I know everything comes back around again. That's actually what my brother played. So my brother is also 10 years older than I am. Um, oh, and he played a little bit of Dragonlance, but most of his role play, which they would deny was actually RPG, was Stratomatic Baseball, which is also dice and statistics. Right. Um, it's just baseball instead. And they would do like whole seasons of fantasy baseball. And I didn't really put the two of those things together until like much later in life, but it's basically also where I started was on the baseball side of of, of rolling dice and seeing what happens. 
Yeah, that's it's funny how they're yeah, like you you watch I'm not a sports person myself, but you watch these guys attend these events, especially football, and they're like dressed as Vikings and face painted and everything, but you can't call them costumes or costumes. <laughs> not cosplaying at all. You, you risk getting your ass kicked if you if you say it's anything other than, uh, something else. But um so it's funny how yeah, so we have this bit of, like you said, everything's come back around and there's a bit of, you know, a bit of resurgence and we have this film coming out and, the, you know, these two great books and all this stuff going on. And even though it's been around forever, it kind of still feels like an underdog to me um, in the in the world of IP anyways. It still feels like now it's, now I don't know if that's, if that's just because it's been around, the, you know, for a very long time or it, it was maybe the first in certain aspects do you guys feel that way at all about it? It just feels like it It never really, I don't know. It's, it just, yeah, it just kind of feels like an underdog to me still. Certainly, I mean, of course, compared to some of the juggernauts that are out there in the IP world, but it just sort of feels still just under, just below the surface to me a little bit. I feel like it kind of maybe wants to be an underdog. Yeah. Um, like that's, yeah. it's kind of what it's used to. I don't know if that's mean, but like. Yeah, right? Like, that's that, that's kind of one of the points of D&D, right? Is that, like, this right. scrappy band of heroes, both IRL and in the, um, <laughs> in the, in the imagination part. Right. And I think that one of the things I like about that is I think it really cuts down on the gatekeeping. Yeah. Um, like, there is still obviously gatekeeping because there's always going to be, but there's literally nothing stopping someone from, like, just running their own game if the local people are like, no, you're a girl, or no, you can't play with us. Mm-hmm. You just go online. And so I think having that lack of supervision, I guess, for lack of a better term, um, really helps. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's, and it's, it's, it's funny because I actually know more people who know critical role than Dungeons and Dragons. So like, that's how big critical role has gotten and, and, you know, awesome for them. It's, it's, it's incredible to see their, how they have just like, like it's leaps and bounds but it's it's sort of like it's again i know people who think critical role is the source material in some you know in some instances and um it's sort of just been a funny thing how i don't know if it's like i said because maybe they were the first and the first never really truly gets the credit it deserves but kate like i I really like your point what you just said there maybe that's sort of where it needs to sit just so it like you said it stays out of the the greedy evil hands of, of the mass mass population um yeah. one of the things that uh yeah like i mentioned there a few minutes ago was these lead-in books for films um you know have to sort of check a few boxes obviously but in you know, character introductions i mean it just has to be first and foremost so in essence like you're doing that you're doing the film a huge favor <laughs> because you know, you're you're cutting down on the character work the film has to do. They can really just really just go in media res, can't they, with the film, assuming people have read these books before they go in and have a good idea of who these characters are. What was when you when you get an IP like this, um, I, you know, without if you can say without spoilers, sort of what, you know, how much did you know about the film going in and what was each of yours sort of uh, approach when it came to these characters? Because. A lot, obviously, there's a lot of back and forth between you, you and the IP about what you're allowed to say and what you're not allowed to say and stuff like that. But what was most important when it came to the character work? Because, like I said, there's a really there's a couple of character interactions here. I mean, um, I'm gonna, Kate, please correct me, um, Leah Varis. Yeah, I fucking loved <laughs> Dorix. And Leah Varys's <laughs> relationship, like it, that when I was saying I got emotional in both your books, in your book, it was that 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 relationship. I really enjoyed that. So, talk about uh, Angelate with you. It was, um, you know, um, the father daughter relationship, which for me was just like incredible and just again just so emotional and so amazing. Like I said, like there's no way I can go into this film now without rooting for these characters. Because like I've, thanks to you both, I now have like a very clear understanding of their motivations, the type of people they are, the quality of people they are. So just talk about sort of your approach to the character work in these two books. Well, for my part, um, I knew I knew enough about the film going in. I had read the script. 
Um, so I knew um, where the characters were in their lives um, when the movie begins. And I also knew how much um, like emotional baggage they were carrying with them and how much um, of the things that had happened to them in their past were informing who they were going into the movie. So my job was really to take those characters and to show how they had gotten to that point. Cause like you said, um, now having that background, you're able to root for them going into the movie. That was the biggest thing is I wanted you to have, feel like you had a relationship with these characters, feel like you knew where they were coming from. And so that when the movie starts, yeah, you are invested in them. You're invested in um, Edgen's relationship with his daughter and the emotional connection there and the people that he's gathered around him and how they've, you know, trying to overcome the things in their own past and how being in this, you know, group together makes them stronger and makes them more equipped to deal with what's ahead of them. So if you, if you have an emotional connection to the characters like that, especially um, like Edgen and Kira, then yeah, that's great. And I feel like I've done my job in that way. So. Um, I was super nervous. <laughs> um, I wasn't sure. I was like, I don't know if I'm qualified for this. Um, and then uh, Elizabeth, our editor was like Chris Pine's character is a bard and I was like where do I sign like <laughs> right now that's everything I need to know about what this movie is trying to do I've just learned where do I sign um and then I read the script and they sent me a bunch of character reference photos so I knew what everybody looked like um and I think for me what helped nail the characters is as I was going through the script I could hear every single one of them all of them I was like oh my god this is gonna be amazing like the whole way through um it's just it's just so funny and except for the parts that are really sad and um and like even the the two actors that I know the uh least well um uh Justice Smith and the guy from Bridgerton whose name I can never remember um even reading them I went and actually watched something that they'd been in so I'd have like an idea of of what they kind of sounded like so it was uh some nature documentary and detective Pokemon and then I was like yeah this can be a <laughs> epic. um because I, I wanted something serious for uh Red Reggie Jean Page yeah that it is um and so I I wanted to get kind of what their voices sounded like, which sounds weird because I was actually writing Doric. Um, and really all we know about her is that like she's the like she's the deadpan snarker of the group, really. Um, and uh, I think Simon is actually the only character who will be in both the books. Um, and so kind of getting to write that character, knowing very little about her, um, because of her like she's kind of like the straight-laced one in the book so or in the movie so she's like not quite as ebullient as the rest of them um but she she has the a lot of potential for backstory as to like how she got to be like that because she's relatively young and super powerful and that's like my favorite combination of things to write for a character um was it like was it surreal for you because it was for me when you first saw the trailer Yes. All this, yes. I was like, oh my god. I think the thing that was amazing for me with the trailer, so I was at home, I wasn't at Comic-Con, so I was at home and the trailer dropped at Comic-Con and I got to watch Twitter have the exact same emotional reaction that I had to finding out that Chris Pine was playing a bard because like we all knew that Chris Pine was in the movie, but like they didn't realize he was a bard until the trailer. And so I got to watch like 10,000 people simultaneously have the same feelings that I'd had when I saw the trailer and that right. was awesome. <laughs> Well, that was a, that was a nice that was a nice sort of uh, reaction I had. So I remember seeing the trailer when they dropped it. I wasn't at Comic Con; I'm at home, and I'm like, "Wow, this looks cool." I'm glad they kind of went lighthearted with it. I was very happy with that approach. Um, and then I read both your books after watching the trailer, and then went back immediately and watched the trailer again like ten times in a row because I now had that relationship with them. And, and because it just like really brought home who they are. And then when, and then you, now I have like the character sheet, <laughs> you know, with the image and like Kate said, like the voice too. So it was like, it's, it, it just morphed into this complete circle of total character development really quickly. So it's, I really encourage people to read these books before they go in because they go it'll have you know have the same effect for sure. Um so Kate, you mentioned 
uh, and I was going to ask you this. Um, it's just a it's a minor thing uh, in your book, less so anyways than Jalees. But yeah, Simon is in both books. Um, did you guys talk about that? Did you guys how much talking did you two have with each other, if any? This is this is the first time we've met. Oh. Um, <laughs> we are meeting for the first time. <laughs> um, no, we. Uh, the thing about Elizabeth Schaefer, um, our editor, is that she is amazing. Yes. Right. And um, I, she does a lot of Star Wars books, which is why if you're like recognizing the name, that's that's where you know she's, her. Well, from. she's been on the show. And, a few times. <laughs> yeah. 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 And so any like nerves I had about like if our characters were going to line up or all that kind of stuff. Um, I knew Elizabeth would catch it. So it wasn't like something I was really concerned about. It's also something I'm kind of used to uh, in Star Wars is that like story group will tell you if you're off by something, if it's like there's a book coming out that you haven't read yet or something's going to happen in a movie that they're legally not allowed to tell you about. Like they will kind of like push you in the right direction. So it is something I was relatively used to at that point. And I I knew Elizabeth would have us covered. So it wasn't something I was like super worried about. Um, I am kind of excited though. My, My copy's in the mail. So we'll see how it goes um yeah. we're having like a succession of blizzards so god only knows when we'll get here oh, oh I, know. No. I was looking i was looking today and it looks like we might be okay later this week um but um yeah no yeah i've had elizabeth on geez four times i think i've talked to her many times and uh she's everything you just said and more she's she's wonderful and so smart and just awesome um like we've you know mentioned several times um more so with Kate, I think, but Julie, you've written IPs before too, um, Marvel and uh, a couple other things too. What, what, what's, you know, I'm, I know you've been asked this probably a million times, but just, just again, just quickly for maybe somebody who hasn't heard the answer before, both of your approach to writing IP, because it's different, obviously, that you are in somebody else's sandbox at that point. So there are rules, <laughs> like Kate, Kate mentioned this, you know, Lucasfilm, Star Wars has the story group, um, you know, which are, you know, the overseers of all. Um, what's each of you individual, just what are your approaches to IP and and sort of how does that uh, maybe, maybe something other than the obvious answer, how does that compare to your original work? Maybe something that you don't really get to talk about often. Something I don't get to talk about often. I mean, there's the obvious I mean, stuff. Like I said, you're you're writing for somebody else at that point as opposed to writing for yourself. I mean that's the that's the easy answer I guess, but is there an emotional thing or something sure. a place you, a place you go to? Yeah, I mean there's obviously um, I'm only going to do you know writing for IP that I love and you know have have a relationship with um, because yes because you do have to conform to someone else's rules their vision for the setting, their guidance, and you're trying to you know bring that into to reality. The thing that I wanted to mention because I don't like you said I don't get to talk about it as much is that's not always as restrictive I think as some people would think it is having to um, conform to these rules and playing in someone's sandbox it also creates these amazing opportunities for collaboration with people who also love these properties and are who are in charge of curating them and making sure that they are consistent and making sure that they you know, reflect the spirit of these worlds that so many people love so much. And the thing that I am always very impressed by, whether I'm dealing with, you know, the team at Wizards of the Coast, you know, for D&D Forgotten Realms, whether it's Ubisoft or Marvel or any of these, um, you know, properties, is the people involved with them are extremely passionate about it. And they want to be involved in this collaborative process and to see what you bring to the table and what you can add to it. And there's this amazing energy when you're brainstorming ideas and when you're talking about things that you really feed off of in a way that you don't always get with your original stuff because it can be more, you know, isolating. You can be more in your own head. Whereas you, with these IPs, you have this team of people who can bring ideas to the table and can help guide you. And it can be incredibly freeing in a lot of ways and just very exciting. So that's, yeah, that's something I like to get to talk about. Yeah. Yeah. I find that I don't necessarily think of it so much as writing for somebody else as writing with somebody else um, because of that teamwork aspect that you mentioned, um, which is my favorite part of 
of the process is getting to sort of sit down with people and be like, how are we going to, you know, break hearts and destroy souls next time. <laughs> um, and, and that's been my, my favorite part of, of the IP that I've worked with um, but pretty much across the board. And um, it is also a lot more sort of free range, I guess. Um, and I think as I've gotten more confident with it, I've turned into much more of a like ask forgiveness, not permission writer where I'll just do something and then they'll be like, uh, and I'll be like, okay, but how can we make this work? Or what do we have to change? Um, as opposed to back at the beginning when I was like, can I do this? Can I do this? Can I do this? All the time. And um, I think that's been sort of the biggest change for me is that now I'm much more likely to just go for something and then if we change it we change it but at least there's you know a starting point to go from i agree 100 percent with that i'm the exact same way it's like at the beginning of my career it was the same way just oh i don't want to you know push too hard or they're gonna think this is weird now i'm just like let's try it let's set it on fire and they'll tell me if it's wrong yeah and more often than not it gets to keep it gets to stay in yeah in some, form, in some yeah, form, in some form, yeah. you, you, sometimes I'm surprised. I'm like, Oh, I never thought that would go through. I'm so excited. <laughs> um, they let me keep the owlbear thing. So I was at <laughs> Is that, do you think that's, there's some, there's some crossover with that, with this answer, I think, but do you think that's a case of you just being more comfortable with the IP writing process or your confidence level? And obviously those are obviously there's some interconnectedness there, but I do think it's both. Yeah. Um, I definitely coming into this as like my first D and D book, I was super nervous, but I was not at all nervous the way I was when I was approaching Ahsoka. Um, like Ahsoka, I've never been more terrified of anything in my entire life. And um, then it just got easier. And I think that sort of let me kind of like calm myself down a little bit before jumping into this. So like I was still nervous cause it was new, but it wasn't like as striking as before. Um, and I think that's been the, the major difference is that both confidence in my career as a writer and confidence in my IP stuff has kind of come together to help with that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Plus the older I get, you know, the more I've seen in the world, it's like, I've seen some stuff. Don't worry. I've been through so much. This is, yeah. Yeah, I'll deal with this. This is my fifth pandemic book. I got it. Yeah. yeah we can handle this. <laughs> Um, also too, I think maybe, and then I'm more familiar with, with Kate's Star Wars work, Julie, than, than your IP stuff. Um, so please correct me or, or, or interject or whatever, but I think Kate, a lot of it, uh, you know, you've, um, been writing Star Wars for, I mean, it's a number of years at this point. Um, you, is it, how long? Seven? Zoe, Zoe said seven, seven years. years. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. which is, which is incredible output. Yeah, really. I mean, five, four books, five books and anthologies in seven years. It's wonderful output. Um, you have, I mean, you would have started, you know, not in a, in a more of a, just a sort of professional relationship. But I mean, I know now that you are friends with the story group people and you're friends with so many people that work on the publishing side, right? How could you not? Um, because I yeah. know, you know, how the Star Wars thing works. I've been to the celebrations and the conventions and, you know, it's just, it's a really good tight knit community and group there. And you guys really help each other, defend each other, stick to each other very closely. So, you know, having that morph into that type of relationship probably helps a lot. I would imagine when it comes to, like you said earlier about including things in the story that maybe you would have been too timid to ask for back eight years ago. Um, that I, I have to imagine that's a wonderful thing. So now here you are back again, uh, reintroducing yourself to a new group of IP, you know, right? Was that, did that, was there any similarity? Did yeah. that feel like you were going back in time a little bit and having to like, um, because of course they can read you a little work. bit? Um, yeah. I have done, as far as I know, I have done one Wizards of the Coast event. Um, I did an All Bards panel yeah. in at San Diego Comic Con in 2019. Um, which was hilarious. Like, uh, it's the only time I've ever played. <laughs> and it was an absolute gong show. Like Chuck Wendig just made fart noises every time it was his turn. <laughs> like it was an absolute disaster. We actually, we actually achieved our objective in less than an hour, which is kind of a miracle, I gather. Um, but Jim Zub was on that panel. And so he's the only kind of like Wizards of the Coast person I really know. 
Um, though I've also met like Jody Hauser, who I think does some comic stuff for them and like, and that kind of stuff. Um, so it was, it's definitely a world that I'm like new to, but um, I'm not as intimidated as I was like the first time I got into an elevator with Timothy Zahn, for example. And you're like, <laughs> oh, <laughs> so I think I passed that part. Um, unless I ever meet Tamara Pierce, then I'm going to be like completely incomprehensible. But um, getting to interact with with people um, has been fantastic. And I think it's going to come back to like getting getting back to conventions yeah. Um, cause that's the way that I've always experienced the community before is, is through conventions. So, um, hopefully we will start doing that again. Um, and then it'll be kind of not necessarily the same cause nothing's ever the same, but like an, another addition to sort of the fandom experience. Are you going to the UK for the next celebration? They haven't told me yet, so I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> they will let me know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they will let me know. Yeah. 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 And Julie, how does this, how did this, you know, you, like you said, you've been, you've been in, in the IP waters as well for, for a while now. How does this, how did this one compare to the others? Um, I won't ask you worse, but maybe a, a, a better, was there any betters or met expectations exceeded? Oh yeah. I mean, always, always met and definitely exceeded expectations. Um, as Kate was saying, um, Elizabeth Schaefer is an amazing editor, coordinator, you know, person. Yeah. Ring, <laughs> ring out, amazing all around person. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you, you, you always feel that you're, you're in good hands when you're, when you're working with her. So yeah, definitely, definitely exceeded expectations. And it was lovely to be back in the world of D and D and Forgotten Realms. So I've written for the realms in the past. Um, my first published novel was for the Forgotten Realms way back in um, 2007. So yeah, it felt like, it felt like coming home in some ways. So it was very, yeah, it's very special. The realms, um, Forgotten Realms have a very special place in my heart, so. Yeah. Um, the, the folks listening won't be able to see this, but shout out to Julie's wonderful Last Unicorn poster behind her, on her wall. Um, <laughs> I've been staring at it the whole it's time. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Speaking yeah. of, speaking of, I know, I know, I want it. Speaking of meeting uh, authors yeah. and, and completely losing it, I, I, Peter Beagle um, signed that poster and I had all this stuff that I wanted to say, you're an inspiration. You're amazing. You <laughs> made me want to, you know, right. And just all clogged in my throat. And I was just like, hi. hi. And then took my, thank you. And then walked away. <laughs> I, yeah, uh, that, was my, that was my moment. Yeah. I've, I'm a big screen print movie poster person and uh, I've gotten to meet some artists. So I met Drew Struzan one time. So that was, um, I was just like, give you art, movies, posters. <laughs> yeah, it was awful. It was like, like you were saying, it just you, comes out word scoop. Oh yeah, that was like, and then even just only because it's relevant, I guess. But you were saying Timothy Zahn. I remember the first time I met Claudia Gray, and I was just like, books, Star Wars, words. <laughs> <laughs> you great yeah i think the yeah i think the only reason i was okay with claudia gray is because we knew each other from Bandit oh okay perfect yeah 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 oh wow <laughs> she's seen me at my worst already <laughs> that's awesome yeah uh just uh i'm a big uh big big claudia guy um so let's go a little more specific here with the books what was uh let's we'll start with Druid's call. Obviously, you know, we got to meet um the mains, but what was sort of the idea like how far did you want to take Doric um or what did they tell you how far to take her? But um because I I won't say what it is just in case it's a spoiler, but her upbringing was uh shitty <laughs> um, I was gonna be like not great yeah, but yeah. fantastic was uh it's it, it was awful intense shitty yeah bad I don't know pick a word it's it's glossy only because like the, it, the whole thing is glossy kind of in a way right but at the same time mm -hmm. if you stop and think about it it's really fucking awful uh so <laughs> I want you know how do you 
what was the idea of getting her sort of over that, past that? I have to think uh, Leah Veras had a big part to do with that. But talk about how, you know, what what was the approach with her in particular, how far you wanted to take her? Um, so one of the things, I come from a fan fiction background, as I mentioned. And so one of the things I love doing is getting like right up as close to the source material as physically possible before they're like, you have to stop overlapping with the movie. So um, when we meet Doric in the movie, like her character list for me was like very powerful, not a fan of humans. And I was like, I can work with that. So I had to come up with a reason for her not to like humans. So I was like thinking about tieflings and I was like, well, there's my answer. And so um you know, coming up with with what I was going to do. And because it is a YA book, it's always easiest if you give them a terrible family because then they have a reason to leave home. So um, that was kind of like the the natural next step. And um, then because I, I like making people feel better, I wanted to sort of write her that arc and that sort of, of closing off. And um, because I had the owlbear option, that was what I decided to hang it on. If I mention it a lot, it's because I am definitely trying to get you to read the book. Um, but it was kind of fun to take her from this like child who cannot recognize what belonging and what like family is supposed to look like to someone who can meet these <laughs> <in> crazy <laughs> And so to kind of have that, to kind of have that come together. And I liked writing, um, writing her evolution on that path. Um, and with Leovaris, who is kind of like her guardian, I guess, for lack of a better term, yeah. um, the mistakes that you can make when you love someone um, very much impacted their entire relationship where it was entirely well-meaning and in a way, it was exactly what Doric needed, but in a bigger way, it was exactly the opposite of what Doric needed. Right. And um, the path of both of them figuring that out. This will make more sense to everybody when they read the book. But uh, <laughs> yes, much more <laughs> sense. One thing. Um, it, uh, what you it, should take from, take from this is yes, yeah, yeah. I, I described it to Elizabeth. That, yeah. I described it to Elizabeth yeah. at one point as like a slow burn, but with self worth. <laughs> that relationship romance but with uh, self-worth instead of romance all the relationships in the book are great but that one i i just uh, it just struck a chord with me i have no idea why um maybe it's because i don't get along with my own mother and um you know i'm i'm i i I yearn for that maybe type of bond with with a, a you know somebody but so well done and i got emotional a couple of times i just thought it was so earnest and so you could just feel this love for you know coming off the page i thought it was wonderful and one thing that you did in this book which i thought was amazing and i always love it when when authors go after this type of perspective and i hope the film talks about it although i suspect it won't is how dork feels when she's the owlbear when she's coming out of it specifically right because uh as one could imagine it would be quite a traumatic experience (laughs) transforming into this to this uh to this to this being and not only transforming into this being but the emotional state um the uh i'm trying to say this without uh the the things that happen as a result of her transforming (laughs) right um it'd be like if again if you're able to it's glossy but again stand back and look at it if you can do a real world sort of approach to it it would be very traumatic um, I love that you address yeah. that. I love that you address that with her because I have a feeling the film probably just won't have time to do that. Um, but I love that yeah. you. I love in a lot of ways. Love when in a lot of ways. Yeah, in a lot of ways, the movie can't. Yeah. Um, because short of her having like sit down with a fantasy therapist, um, there's not really <laughs> like a lot of ways to get inside her head. Yeah. Um, and, and one of the things I'm really looking forward to actually is everybody's facial expressions during certain scenes um, because I was reading them and I was like, God, I hope Chris Pine does that thing with his face during the scene. Um, and that kind of thing is how far you can go in a movie, but in a book, you can go inside their heads. Right. right. Um, and I think that's the, the strength of an adaptation. The strength of a tie-in is that it gives you 
a perspective the movie can't and vice versa because there's no like music and special effects in right. the book right. um, unless it's a penguin audiobook in which case there's frequently both um so <laughs> there's a lot of penguin audiobooks also available today um so there's there's that perspective as well which which is something i always enjoy i like that you didn't shy away from the the again the traumatic part of it because it, you know as a kid, you could see that and be like, that would be amazing. I want to be, you know, an owlbear and that would be so much fun. And you're like, well, it's not always that fun. Um, there's there's some side effects, yeah. but um, I love that you addressed it. Um, Jalei, again, just relationships, right? And like Dork sort of, you know, her path was fraught with, with uh, I don't know, horror. <laughs> uh, and <laughs> Edgren, um, less so, but suffers uh an incredible loss when we when we first you know meet him in your story has suffered an incredible loss um and because of that he's he's a little um apprehensive he's a little gun shy in a lot of circumstances yes even though he's a bard he's sort of you know even sort of gotten a little stage fright um he's he's become you know a little bit reclusive because of things that have happened to him in his past that affect him deeply and so his relationship with Kira, his daughter, is so much more important, isn't it? And I really love, uh, I thought you wrote their relationship so well. Um, you know, I, like, I, I don't have kids, um, but I just felt like their relationship was so real to me, having, you know, gone through what they've been through. Where did you pull, did you pull on anything for that in particular or that you're just an awesome writer and you're able to do that? <laughs> What's, yeah. Yeah, it just comes naturally. Yeah. No, yeah. Um, it, uh, no I, I, I also don't have kids myself, but in the last several years, um, I have uh, gained um, one niece and multiple nephews and I have watched... Um, you know, my brothers-in-law and sister-in-law um, and my family have watched them become, you know, have a front row seat to becoming, seeing them become new parents and seeing how, um, and my friends too, seeing how people I've known, you know, for years and years, how their lives are completely upended and completely changed um, by um, the arrival of this um, new new element into their lives and I drew on that definitely because not only I feel like Edgins um, suffered this extreme loss but he's also at the same time been thrown into the situation of being a new parent and with no and because of the life he has led up to this point um, he has not established a community or a support system um, in order to deal with that. So he very much feels at sea, he feels on his own. Um, and he doesn't even really have time to properly grieve because he's responsible for this human life. And I wanted to convey how um, isolating um, that was for him, especially at the very beginning of the novel and how um, he has to not only pick himself up and you know take responsibility for his family for um you know for kira but how he has to you know get himself back into the world again and um form this community and try to build you know a family build something on what he's lost so that was um kind of what i was what i was hoping would come through was that the possibility of you know moving going on and building something new you know after suffering this great loss that the recovery that you know that that building something new for yourself is possible he yeah it, we need like a whole chapter of him just finally just crying for an hour i think is what we need <laughs> he needs to let yeah. he, needs, like, he needs to let it out he needs to let it go uh, we need that fantasy yeah, therapist. That unfortunately, that fantasy therapist really cuts down on the conflict, and we need that. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> that that's you can't come in and solve. Yeah, no, no solving the problems. Yeah. I need to write sixty thousand words about it. Um, 
uh, that yeah. you know in every the, once in a while I remember how the movie ends and I'm like shoo, shoo, shoo. oh <laughs> yeah so don't tease me don't tease me um, <laughs> uh, and Edgren also too yeah just carries yeah. around a tremendous amount of guilt um, it's it's a really heavy weight he he puts on himself isn't it and uh, and that's yeah. and that's in every decision he makes uh, you know and it's such a yeah like there's you know again because you know it's D and it's fun and there's cool things and wizards and all sorcerers and fun stuff and but you guys really just really interjected this sort of like real life um trauma into these stories and um i you know i connected to these books on both levels on the fun D cool shit um and to the real uh, I'll say human, but you know you, that term loosely to the the human aspect of these stories, the the you know being <laughs> able to um, relate to these people in some way, and yeah, I'm like you know I'm, I'm I've been you know I've been on this planet long enough, or I've experienced similar things myself. Of course, we you know loss, sadness, you know all these different types of things. So being able to connect to characters in a and d story like this to me uh like that's that's the magic that's magical to me i really enjoyed that part of it for sure so thank you yeah. both and i don't want to give you the, don't want to give you the impression either that it's all doom and gloom and no no if, yeah i'm sorry there's plenty of lighthearted things um because that was one of the things when i was writing the book I was like, I need this lighthearted experience. <laughs> this, this, this is very, uh, yeah. Sorry, my 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 winter seasonal effectiveness disorder is is kicking in here. I'm getting a little. <laughs> <laughs> I need the sun. No, I, I know what you mean. <laughs> I could really use some sunshine right now. All right, well, let's end then on a on a more fun fun note here. So, each of you <laughs> give me. Um, have you read? You've read each other's books. These books. Not yet. I'm still, still in the mail. Okay. All right. So instead of just came out, well, true enough. Yeah. Um, Like I said, I know how much you know. You guys were talking during this process, but so give me your favorite non-lead character in your own book. Oh man, that's so hard. Whether it was you just liked them the most, or they were the most fun to write, or the most even the most challenging to write, maybe. Um. I have two because there's the one that I based on a real person, the ship captain. Oh yeah. Um great. Yeah. who that's that that he's like that's whose house I stayed in when I so like the beginning to voice this is what that weird girl from Ontario was doing when she lived in your house last summer. Right. Uh that's him. Okay. And then I also really enjoyed uh writing open, the other tiefling character. Yep. Um, which was for reasons that will probably be obvious, um, super fun. Um, he's a more sort of stereotypical tiefling uh than Doric is, because Doric is quite human looking. Um, and so it was interesting to write someone who has made the adjustments to who they are, yeah. um, in a way that Doric hasn't yet. And he comes along at just the right time for Doric too, right? Yes. And also the nurturing aspect of him being, uh, the cook, whatever we, yep. like just, you know, eat <laughs> food therapy, right? Just, yeah. yeah, the, yeah. I had the, the, I had the pancake scene in mind. Yeah. Yeah. Even yeah. though it's very far into the story, yeah. uh, when he came on the scene, I already had the pancake <laughs> scene in my head. Awesome. Also, I was hungry. So that's why he was <laughs> it made me very hungry reading. This. <laughs> what authors love to eat. Uh, I think I really enjoyed, um, I mean, I enjoyed the dynamics of the characters um, playing off of each other, but I really like the dynamic um, that Holga has uh, mm. with Edgen. Uh, she was um, unexpectedly one of my favorite characters to write. Uh, in the beginning, I thought for sure that that Edgen would would own my whole heart, and he does. And his relationship with Kira obviously is is amazing. But also, when that kind of um, the camaraderie that Edgen has with Holga and how she kind of comes into their family unit mm -hmm. and you know come and, and makes herself vulnerable enough in order to do that and to form because she has her own you know things she's carrying in her past and um the fact that she makes herself vulnerable enough um to become a part of that uh she was very yeah, she was very compelling to write. Plus just the way that she handles all the rest of them, you know, how she handle has to deal with, 
with Edgen and with Ford and how yeah. she just is giving them the side eye constantly. Was fun she's to like, Yeah, she's like the extremely reluctant team mom, like extremely reluctant. Mm-hmm. It's like, she's, well, you'll probably like, get killed if I'm not around. Yeah, so like I don't want to do this, yeah. but you're gonna die if I don't. Yeah, so I guess <laughs> I have to. Her relationship with Kira is really great too. Really key. Um, she, I, I, Holga to me is sort of like the, uh, like the, the Ed, the Grime, Grimes character from The Simpsons. Like she's us, <laughs> right? Like yeah. she, you know what I mean? She's got it. Yeah. Like you, she's corralling all these personalities and and having yeah. like, what like, the hell's right. going on here? Yeah, the yeah. master of the circus here. Yeah, yeah. Edwin so, like, thinks he's in charge, but really Holga's holding. Yeah, <laughs> and then like and also making her the barbarian was also really fascinating like one of the things i loved about the story and what we were able to write from and stuff like that was taking like almost the opposite of what you think these people are going to be um because it gives holga the chance to be the kind of character that we don't get to see very often um and that to me was really cool as well with her how she was like every time she said anything i was like wow you're kind of different. <laughs> I love it. Um, and one, and going back to sort of Druid's real, really finally here, I really like uh, Dork. Just seems really great at attracting really good friends. Eh? Like the friends she yeah. makes. She was, it's always like she's not good at recognizing it. But no, she's no, good at no for sure. Them. And and but <laughs> but they're great at recognizing her quality and you know stick it out and yeah i really liked that i was like it, it's very as as i'm a big ya guy i read a lot of ya books so it's it was always just like oh please make let them be friends it's always, it's like that's <laughs> that's the one i want her to be friends with. I was like, good news was, you're reading any k johnson book <laughs> yeah, that's right um i can't thank you guys enough like i said i really enjoyed the heck out of both of these books and, and I, I really hope uh people get a chance to read them uh, before the film well, obviously would be ideal uh, or but any time will will suffice um but definitely before the film if you want to get a real clear sense of who these folks are going in again not knowing anything about the film obviously they'll they'll have to do a bit of character work but um you both did you you guys these this film these producers owe you guys a lot because you did the heavy lifting here i'm i i suspect and uh um thank you yeah, I think, uh, like I said, it's it's you always need you always need something to connect to, someone to root for, obviously, right? In these types of things, and uh, it's uh, I'm 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 in, I'm on board. So I can't wait to see. And like I said, now that I have such a clear idea of who they are, it's gonna like it's just gonna change the film for me, right? I'm sure it'll be you know it probably changed it for you guys too. You living in in their heads for so long, how could it not? I mean, that's oh yeah, I can't wait. I can't yeah. wait. It's it's chemical at this point, isn't it? So it's gonna be fun. um, Well, yes, thank you so much to the both of you. Enjoy the film whenever you get to see it. That'll be such a cool, special thing. Obviously, whenever you get to uh, enjoy something that you're such a big part of. So, thank you both so much, Kate. Stay warm. Um, Get through this week. It looks like we've got some positive plus temperatures coming. Fingers crossed. Um, Delay. Avoid any tornadoes (laughs) that are coming. Please. Um, Will do. <laughs> and uh, thank you both so much and enjoy the rest of your week.